0: off the groove with scotty dubler what's up everybody it is friday april the 21st 2023 episode number 220 thank you Haley. that's actually my daughter that does the intro for me and i appreciate that she knocked it out on the first try so she is now an expert what's been going on not a whole lot actually last weekend we were off We, as in American Flat Track, were off because it was Easter weekend. Hope everybody did have a great weekend. And actually, the last weekend, everybody got to race, it seemed like. There was a lot of racing going on last weekend. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the news sammy halbert will be on the dodge brothers xr 750 out in ventura so that's good news good to see sammy getting back on the on the horse uh on the dodge brothers xr which won a championship with the bullet brad baker so i think that's a good combination for the ventura short track we will talk more about that as we get ready to go to ventura also in the news scooter vernon will ride the weirbach racing kawasaki's this weekend in the super twins class And I did mention last week or the last episode that Brandon Price will be filling in for Mikey Rush on the Maxwell Industries XG750. So there's a couple of new bikes going to be racing this weekend at the Devil's Bowl. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some feedback I got on Twitter. I don't pay much attention to Twitter. Um, I do look at it here and there. I used to use it a lot. I've kind of switched on over to Instagram most of the time for my social media. But uh, one of the people or some of the people, I'm not going to say one, I'm not going to single anybody out. But somebody mentioned that they don't like TTs on the circuit, and it got me thinking. Uh, for the longest time, we only had one TT, which was Peoria. Well, this year there's four, but I want to talk about about the schedule a little bit. There's four short tracks, four TTs, five half miles, and five miles. So to be the champion, you got to be an all-around versatile rider. You know, you got to be able to, to muscle it on a short track. You got to be able to jump and use the front brake on the TTs, and then you also... You've got to do good on the miles and the half miles so it's a pretty even schedule but i, I get where they're coming from flat track is flat track because we normally race on flat racetracks i get it i understand um the only thing i want to add uh, about the tts is think about where the tts are going we're going to phoenix arizona a huge metropolis a big city we want to get those fans um, I've heard there's not really a, a good chance of racing out there on the mile racetrack. Manzanita's gone. There's another car track that's recently been closed down out there. So to get Phoenix, we might have to race on that Super TT course. I don't think it's a bad thing. The other TT Peoria, that's always on the circuit. You know, I think I think going down to Thunder Valley, it's a feeling like no, like nothing else. It's a facility where there's very little, if any, grandstands. You come down there, it's in a big bowl. It's in a valley. And the racing is awesome. The pits are right there in the infield. You actually unload your your big haulers and park, park everything right in the infield. So everybody can see exactly what's going on. So I think with the history of Peoria, that will always be on the circuit. And they're actually moving back to their normal Sunday this year. So uh, a couple years back, they switched to Saturday just in case there was a rain out we would run on Sunday. So I think... I think that's a good thing. I think everybody likes to go out and party downtown Peoria. There's a lot of bands going on, a big festival usually in downtown Peoria on Saturday night. So I think going back to Sunday might get some more fans to come on out there. There'll be a three-stretch or three-race stretch with Peoria, then going to Buffalo Chip and then to go into Castle Rock. So let's go back to, to Buffalo Chip. I like that one too because it's a huge campground. And I say campground. That's using that word very loosely, because it's more like a big party, uh, concert venue. And we race right in front of the the main stage. We go out of sight for just a second, come back in. There's a jump right in front of a bunch of cra- a bunch of people standing there watching, and then we turn around a bar that's almost kind of in the middle of the racetrack. And I think it's a good thing to go back to the to the Buffalo Chip if we can catch you know. 100 new fans, or 500 new fans, or even 10 new fans, they're going to tell their friends about it, and I I think that will help grow our sport. Yeah, we're not always at TTs, and there's not always the the closeness of the, the fans to the track as it is at the Buffalo Chip, but I think it's a good move. And then... Castle Rock. Last year, that place was packed. It was the fullest I've ever seen it. I think a lot of that's uh, due to Tor Drake, who stepped in and, and helped promote it. This year, Steve Lorenzi and his crew are going to help promote that race. So I don't mind that there are four TTs on the racetrack track uh, or on the race schedule. I think it's a good thing. Last week, I mentioned that Max Whale actually completed the Grand Slam in flat track in the AFT singles class. And that got me thinking about it. How many other people have completed the Grand Slam in the singles class? And the answer is only two. Dalton Gauthier is the other, and Maxwell. Uh, Dallas Daniels, you would think that he did, but he was only in the, the singles class for two seasons, and he never won a mile in the AFT singles class. You've got Morgan Mishler and Trevor Bruner. They're just missing TTs. And Dan Bromley, who is racing this weekend, is only missing a half mile to complete the, the flat track Grand Slam in the singles class. So uh, some interesting stats right there, and you guys know how much I love stats. There was a lot of racing last weekend, even though AFT was off. Uh, the DTR8 was kicked off their season over there in England at the Greenfield Short Track, and I can't wait to go back to Greenfield at the end of the year. Uh, it looked like Lodi Cycle Bowl out in California. They had a doubleheader. Uh, Gratz, Pennsylvania, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, is what Sammy Sabedra said. said um, they had a two-day event, and they kind of had some crashing going on. I know Richie Rowe went down hard on the first day and had to get airlifted out of there, and he's in that... Uh, hooligan class and then uh the second day Darren LePage and Chip Keen a couple more riders that I talk about quite a bit or announce quite a bit especially down there at the Florida you know bike weeks down there but uh, they both had to get airlifted as well so uh some some crashes down there and we don't want to hear about that and we don't want to see it but it definitely happens in our sport but if you guys want to help to Uh, get these riders some financial aid or help with something that they might need, get a hold of Back on Track, which is formerly the Rookie Class of 79. So Back on Track is now the new name for that uh, official charity of American Flat Track that helps out vintage riders, uh, amateur riders, and of course the pro riders at AFT. So um, I'm sure there are some other races that I missed, but uh, those definitely stick out. But the good news is it's definitely race season. This weekend, we are headed to the Devil's Bowl Speedway. So if you guys have never heard of the Devil's Bowl, we did race there. uh, Back in 2020, we had a doubleheader, and that was, of course, the COVID year, and we weren't allowed to race at Texas Motor Speedway. So the Devil's Bowl said, come on over. And Briar Bauman took the win both nights in the premier class. Um, So he's got to be one of the favorites coming in, even though he was on an Indian then, now he's on a KTM. When you go back to a track that you've got success at, it's easy to go back, and it's easy to go fast. So I think this will be a good place for Breyer to get his first win on the KTM. Um, before the 2020 season, we also raced at the Devil's Bowl in 1993. Will Davis took the win, and we went back in 94 and 95, and Steve Moorhead, the Finley Flyer, took the win both in 94 and 95. Um, I was trying to think back, and I don't I don't remember the year, but I was there, and, and Willie McCoy used to be National number 59, he was in the lead, and and he was from right down there, close to the Devil's Bowl, and the zipper on his leathers broke open. I don't know how much it, it really slows you down with the wind, you know, catching the jacket, but what it is, it's a mind, dis- it, it distracts you, it, it makes you think about other things instead of focusing on the track and what's in front of you, so uh, I think if that wouldn't have happened, Willie would have got his first national way long time before he got his first national at the Springfield Mile, so... It's the ifs and ands and what could have happened, what should have happened, you know. But I know Willie has to look back and say, man, that zipper window broke, you know, how many more races would I have won if he would have won his first one back then? Last week I mentioned that, you know, it's been pretty much KTMs on the AFT singles podium and there's only one Honda. Well, what I forgot to mention is the other brands that have been on the podium. So out of the first four rounds, which would be three times four is 12 podium spots were up for grabs. Cop has got three. He's your points leader. Dalton Gauthier has four. Maxwell has two. Trevor Bruner, Chase Sadoff, and James Ott have one. So looking at it from a brand perspective, I didn't mean, mean to single out Honda last week, but KTM, nine out of the 12 spots on the podium so far for singles have been KTM. One Yamaha, one Honda, and one Husqvarna. Looking at the entry list for this weekend at the Devil's Bolt, in the AFT singles class, there are 39 riders. That's a pretty good field. Only the fastest 32 will even make it onto the night show. And I know that used to be a, a really a big thing. Like when I was racing, uh, especially when you're on a 600 cc bike. When I was racing, you'd show up to Daytona, there'd be 100 bikes, and only the fastest 48 would make it to the night show. Just just making that cut alone was hard enough. You know, like half of the field would go home and not even get to race in front of the fans. So I'm not comparing. I'm not saying that we're at the same spot we were, but I'm saying that with only two classes running this year, it puts more riders f- battling against good riders than last year. We had three different classes, and you know everybody would make the main in a couple of the classes, and and I think now we got some some stiffer competition for both the AFT singles class and the Super Twins class. Um, signed up in the Super Twins class, there are 21 entries, and check this out: there are six brands. Of Super Twins. There's only six Indians left. There's three KTMs six Yamaha's two Royal Enfield two Harley-Davidson XG's and two Kawasaki's a Pretty vast for the Super Twins class, you know six brands uh, Battling for the top spot. I did do some history and did some notes before we head on down there and another thing I found interesting in that Super Twins class back in 2020 the top four spots are were the same four riders in the same four spots. Briar Bauman led every lap both nights. 36 laps each night. So he led 72 laps in a row at the Devil's Bowl. That's pretty impressive. Sammy Halbert was second both nights. Robbie Pearson was third both nights. And Jared Meese was fourth both, both nights. And if you think back, it was the first time a lot of these racers have ever raced there before. But coming off a of turn number four... You're going downhill. The back straightaway is higher than the front straightaway. And so you go up turns one and two. You go back north on that on the back straightaway. And then you come down three. And you're really carrying a lot of momentum into turn number four. And that wall comes up pretty quick. So um, a couple of people bounced off the wall last year, including Jared Meese. Uh, he wasn't injured severely enough to, to not keep riding both nights. Brian Robinson hit the wall. Uh, breaking his right ankle there on the front straightaway. Uh, He was credited with last place. I think he pulled off. He was running up there near the front. So this should be a track where B-Rob goes well. But as I was saying, when Robinson didn't get to race the second night, they put actually Morgan Mishler on the Indian. And he rode on the Indian for the first time and finished 13th in the Super Twins class. So that was a pretty good result for riding an Indian for the very first time. Uh, Another rider we should probably keep an eye on, you know, obviously Breyer, He's gotta be the favorite going in, even though he's on a new bike. Mies was fourth both nights. Bronson Bauman uh finished sixth both both main events last time we were there. So he should go well there. Uh Van Dekoy was seventh the first night, but at 11th the second night. Fisher was a fourteenth and a twelfth, so I'm not sure. Uh, I think he's found his way on the on the groove tracks and a half mile racetrack. So you got to put Fisher up there to be probably a top five guy. Man, I just don't know. I, I don't know who else is going to be up there running near the front. You know, you got to have Meese, Breyer, uh, Dallas. We'll see how he stacks up on a half mile on the Yamaha. JD will be up there near the front. He got an 11th and a 10th last time. Um, but he didn't set the world on fire. So maybe we'll have a new winner. Uh, maybe Van Koy will find something. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. That was the Super Twins class. In the production twins class that we ran when we were there last in, in 2020, Rispoli took the wins both nights. Chad Coase was second the first night. Ryan Varnes was third the first night. Jeremiah Duffy and Ben Lau your top five. And in the second night, Raspoli again, Corey Texter, Chad Coase, Danny Eslick, and Dylan Bell. So um, obviously that class has gone away. Some of those riders are in the singles class. Some of them aren't with us, racing with us anymore. And, um, you know, with the production class gone, those riders had to go either singles or twins. In the singles class last time we were there, it was Dallas Daniels taking the win both nights. On the first night, it was Enderbitz in second, Wiles was third, Trent Lowe fourth, and Morgan Mishler was fifth. And the second night, it was Dallas Daniels, Mikey Rush, Tanner Dean, Michael Enderbitz, and Morgan Mishler. So the singles class, it's going to be good. You know, take Dallas Daniels out. He won both nights. Mishler had two fifths. This could be a track for him. It could also be a track where Trent Lowe gets his first win. Uh, He's been my sleeper. I know he doesn't like it when I call him the sleeper, but I'm going to keep calling him that until he gets his first win. Um, what I did notice is Shayna Texter was 17th the first night, and she didn't make the main the second night. So maybe it's not a good track for her, but I would think it would be because Shayna usually goes well on the car tracks. And this is definitely a car track. Uh, if you've not been to the Devil's Bowl, it's the place where the World of Outlaws had their first ever race back in 1978. Um, I've got a couple of stories about the Devil's Bowl, and then I'll wrap things up. I used to race down there quite a bit when I was racing. Most of the time, they were VDTRA races, like the day after the races in the '90s, or a one-off race. You know, sometimes we'd race a little short track right down the road and then come on over to the Devil's Bowl on Sunday. But I do remember racing against Dallas Daniels' dad, Nick. And Nick Daniels would show up in the Fat Boy Racing box van with, you know, sometimes it was James Hart, sometimes it was James and Riesel Hart. Those two, James and Riesel. We're in the class above me and Nick most of the time until later in our careers. But one of my favorite races at the Devil's Bowl was with Nick Daniels. And Nick and I had checked out, and I was doing everything I could to pass him. And I threw it away going into turn number three. I remember sliding. I remember grabbing the clutch and looking back while I was sliding. And felt like I slid forever, but I grabbed the clutch, got up. I think I downshifted twice and took off. And I was in second behind Nick, and I think I still ended up fourth or fifth that day. I don't know if we were just that far in front of everybody else or if some of the other people just stopped racing or what happened. But, uh, yeah, Nick got the win that day, and I think I ended up fourth or fifth after falling off on the half mile. Uh, another good memory I have is uh, going out in practice, and they always sent the pros and the pro-ams out together, and or the pro singles or whatever the class might have been called whenever I was racing. But... I jumped in behind Greg Teague and, and Willie McCoy, and I remember coming in and, and uh, actually coming off a turn before on the front straightaway, and something flew off of Greg Teague's back tire, and this is back when we are on road taxes, and, and it must, I think it, man, it looked like a spark plug. It could have been a race car part. I don't know what it was, but it hit right on my front number plate and shattered the whole front corner off a number plate, and that's hard to do because most of the time those number plates are pretty invincible i think they're meant to uh you know take whatever's thrown at them and i don't even know what it was but it was a scary moment but greg teague man he used to fly down there at the devil's bowl him and willie mccoy both you know the two of the texas guys that grew up racing down there and they were always fast at the devil's bowl so that's two of my stories from the devil's bowl and we'll make more stories this weekend thanks to all you fans for listening smash that like button tell all your friends about the podcast and Hopefully we'll see you guys next week right here on Off The Groove.